From Washington, this is CQ on Congress, the nonpartisan source for in-depth analysis of Capitol Hill's policy debates. I am Sean Zeller. Donald Trump's national security advisor, H.R. McMaster, has quit. The latest change in the upper echelons of Trump's government. His replacement is John Bolton, the hawkish former U.S. ambassador to the United Nations for George W. Bush. To help us make sense of it, and other news out of the White House, is Roll Call reporter John Bennett. Welcome, John. Thanks for having me. All right, John, why did McMaster quit, and why did Trump choose Bolton as his replacement? Uh, McMaster uh, had been unhappy for some time. Um, you know, early on, uh, the he's a three-star general, and, um, you know, he came over as uh, as kind of a, a point of stability, another point of stability as uh, Defense Secretary Mattis and others helped the president pick a replacement for uh, Michael Flynn, who was fired for lying to the vice president and and maybe some other things that we're going to find about find out about down the road. But McMaster kind of drifted, as often happens with Trump's advisors, he had drifted in and out of Trump's orbit, but he had been out of the orbit for some time. Uh, reports are that that Trump lost confidence in McMaster, who would, would often push back against uh, Trump's instincts on North Korea, on Iran. Um, you know, Trump said recently uh, at, a, at a joint press conference that he wants to hear opposing views and he wants to hear people who disagree with him. But his recent actions really do suggest otherwise. And McMaster uh, was frustrated. He had not really been as as public figure as he had been when he first joined the administration. And, you know, his I won't I don't want to call it sidelining. He may have sidelined himself from defending the president, um, but he just wasn't as public. He didn't come to the briefing room as much. Uh, you know, there were no gaggles with reporters. He wasn't on television. That coincides with the first reports. Um, he was frustrated with Trump and the boss was frustrated with him. Uh, now, the selection of John Bolton was one of the leading advocates um, in the Bush administration for the 2003 Iraq war. That is Trump again, as we saw with the firing of Secretary of State, former Secretary of State uh, Rex Tillerson. Um, Trump kind of pivoting to his instincts with some of the, the bolder policy um, ideas, uh, some of the more hawkish rhetoric. Um, Bolton is a very controversial figure. It uh, Back in the Bush administration, um, President Bush had to use a recess appointment uh, for his nomination for U.S. Uh, U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. Republicans controlled the Senate back then. Uh, that's just, you know, that's kind of a snapshot uh, of how polarizing Bolton is. Um, he believes in the use of military force as a first solution to problems, as maybe a second and sometimes even the third best option, which is ironic. And some of us are having a, a tough time seeing how this Bolton-Trump relationship is going to work. Trump campaigned day in and day out on getting America out of foreign conflicts. This is not uh, not a clean fit right, between, right. between their beliefs. But at the same time, Trump has taken a, a hawkish approach toward the nuclear deal that his predecessor, Barack Obama, reached with Iran. Uh, he's uh, moved in the direction of decertifying that and ending it. Um, and he's exchanged insults with the dictator of North Korea, Kim Jong-un. And so Bolton kind of uh, feeds into that, does he not? He absolutely does. It, it probably should be read as a message to both Iran and North Korea and others. Trump is a big believer in words and and Bolton is a big believer in actions. I'm not 
I'm going to have to be convinced that Donald Trump really going to launch a military strike on North Korea. I mean, this is a guy who went from using words to threaten a possible nuclear attack and then turned around months later and says he'll sit down and talk to the guy he was going to nuke. So, you know, I, I, I just don't see how this is a fit. You've got Trump. The Trump show, is, as some of us call it, is about words and tweets. John Bolton is about lethal action. People are saying he he would, might argue to bomb North Korea. Absolutely. He, he wrote an op-ed uh, talking about um, a preemptive strike on North Korea. He's, he's advocated for a preemptive strike on Iran. Um, Trump says these things. You know, he said he was going to decertify the Iran deal. And when it came, when he had his best shot to do it a few months ago, he didn't actually do it. Now, I know he, again, he's talking about doing it again. So, so he, he could have decertified it months ago when he did. And they, he had his staff find a way out. And I would not be surprised if that happens again. Okay. So when Trump initially assembled his cabinet and his staff, a lot of people who found his unconventional campaign to be a bit alarming were reassured by the, some of the folks that he brought in, that they seemed uh, people who would uphold sort of traditions, U- U.S. diplomatic niceties. Now we've seen Rex Tillerson, his original Secretary of State, fired, replaced by CIA Director Mike Pompeo. We've seen his economic advisor, Gary Cohn, depart, apparently because Cohn was dismayed about the tariffs that Trump is imposing on imports. And we've seen him replaced by a television host, uh, Larry Kudlow, and now Bolton replacing McMaster. So are we seeing these American traditionalists, upholders of diplomatic niceties, departing and being replaced by people who are more in Trump's mold? Absolutely. Uh, there's no question about that. Uh, John Kelly is somewhere in the chief of staff, is somewhere in the middle of those two camps. He is rumored to be on the way out, despite you know senior officials uh, telling me and others two plus weeks that, that Kelly's not going anywhere. Even Kelly, who's more of a hardliner on, on issues like immigration, but he's not as hardline as, as the president or those folks you just ticked off there who are coming into the, to the White House. It's a mini purge of some of the more, I guess, establishment traditionalists, um, for lack of a better term. I think the thing to watch here is, you know, the hardline uh, pressure that these new individuals will put on the president and whether he will actually follow through on what, what they want to do. And an early an early indication of that will be the Iran deal. He's got another decision point coming up uh, fairly soon, a month or so, where he's going to have another shot to decertify the deal. Put me for now skeptical, as I said earlier, that he'll actually do it or maybe find another creative way to buy more time. And we see this president, if you go back and look at businessman Trump, a lot of buying time there. It's it's one of his 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 moves. If if he decertifies the Iran deal on the advice of Pompeo and Bolton, then I think the the critics will howl about what might happen with North Korea. So we're seeing a shift here. We used to have a There's staff no- that was a check on the president's instincts, and now you're saying maybe we're looking to see if Trump, the president, will be a check on his staff's instincts. That that is one that that is how I'm reading this right now. There's no question this is a pivot toward Trump's instincts. 
if John Bolton walks into the Oval Office with a version of the op-ed about a preemptive strike, I'm skeptical that the president will take it and say, yes, let's do this. But, you know, President Trump does things every day that no one saw coming. You know, I could be wrong about that, but... Okay, John, another theory about all this. Pompeo coming in at state, Bolton coming in as national security advisor, both follow Trump's agreement to meet with North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un. Meanwhile, we have Gary Cohn departing as economic advisor, replaced by Larry Kudlow, with the overlay being the tariffs and the possibility of a trade war with China. So he's bringing in hardliners. He's saying to North Korea and China, I'm serious. Cut a deal with me. Uh, that's right. You know, he, he talks a lot about his relationship with uh, uh, with the Chinese president, President Xi. Um, that hasn't really, in the first uh, 14 months here, that has not changed um, China's trade practices. They find ways to get uh, intellectual properties from U.S. companies. That has frustrated several administrations from both parties. Uh, the senior ministra- administration officials Thursday um, And they actually, and they don't do this a lot, they actually gave uh, the Obama administration and the George W. Bush administration a lot of credit. Said they worked very hard the China trade issue and just couldn't couldn't get China to change its behavior. And and, and President Trump has concluded, they said in so many words, that China is not going to change its behavior no matter how many rounds of golf he and she play. So it's tariff time. So Trump has this vision of himself as a deal maker, but he doesn't really have any big deals to his credit so far in his presidency, more than a year into it. I'm not going to count the tax law because that was passed only with Republican votes. He didn't get any reluctant parties go along with him. So we've got North Korea and its nuclear ambitions, Iran and its nuclear ambitions. We've got China and trade where he's looking at deals. What else? I mean, there's, there's the NAFTA renegotiation with Canada and Mexico, and there's his infrastructure proposal before Congress, right? That's right. Uh, the NAFTA rounds uh, to renegotiate that, uh, you know, they keep going and going, but Trump is not directly involved in that. It's not like he's talking to, you know, his Canadian and, and Mexican counterparts on the phone, and they're not going line by line through this. And of course, the infrastructure package, um, you know, that's an idea, an idea because we haven't seen actual legislation has bipartisan support, but it's a midterm election year, and it's almost April, and the campaigning will soon begin hot and heavy, and it's hard to see two parties handing each other infrastructure projects back home, which are popular, that the other can go campaign on, and Democrats allowing Trump to hit the campaign trail, which he very much wants to do to get out of Washington and get—he loves to campaign, he loves these rallies— I, I just don't see Democrats helping pass an infrastructure bill and allowing Trump to barnstorm the country on Air Force One and then uh, talk about his infrastructure. Right. And conservatives in Congress and outside of Congress are already annoyed about this latest spending bill for fiscal 2018, which right. they've just passed. It's got big new spending for defense and for domestic programs. So presumably an infrastructure bill is going to cost something. Absolutely. Uh, well, it, it depends on, on, on its proposed mix of private and public funds, and then that's a whole other issue. You wouldn't necessarily need conservatives pass an infrastructure bill because you would conceivably get a large number of Democratic votes in each chamber, but the noise they would make and, and conservative talk radio and Fox News would eviscerate Republicans and eviscerate Trump if he signed it. They'd be very critical. 
and that would affect congressional races across the country. And I it, and it's just hard to see how the politics of the rest of the year will allow for an infrastructure package to pass. Um, but on the trade issue, we had uh, Trump imposing tariffs this week on on steel and aluminum aimed at China. But he's he's exempted for now Mexico and Canada. And the market seems spooked about all this. They, they took a big fall. The trade agenda seems uh, we don't know where it's headed. That's right. Uh, he has exempted some countries, Canada, Mexico, uh, Australia, South Korea, just to name a few. Those last two are, are temporary exemptions from the tariffs. But China is not messing around here. They've already hit back. They say they are not going to shy away from a trade war. They have their own, they have their own list of U.S. goods they've threatened uh, to, to slap penalties on. This is the kind of thing that, that can get out of hand and can become a trade war. Uh, even, especially Republican lawmakers are warning that. This is a, a major uh, example of Trump breaking with Republican orthodoxy, and it's upset a lot of Republican members. There is a lot of um, concern among Republican senators that this could sort of metastasize into a larger um, trade war. And many of our members are discussing with the administration just how broad, how sweeping uh, this might be. Okay, so changing gears, uh, John, big story in the news regarding President Trump is that two more women have come forward to accuse him of having affairs with them and and asking them to sign agreements to remain silent about them. One of them was a pornographic film actress, the other a model for Playboy magazine. We care about this. We should. Maybe not the salacious details of what happened you know, with grown adults behind closed doors, but the reason we should care is this, by all evidence, is affecting the president of the United States, the, um, the so-called leader of the free world, and all of this started with Stormy Daniels, the um, adult film actress. And, and now there's, of course, uh, a former Playboy model who's telling her story. Uh, there's talk of payoffs. There's talk of uh, Trump um, reneging on agreements. And, and now these, uh, these ladies are trying to get out of the agreements and they're going on television. Um, Trump is a big viewer of television. And by all accounts, this is affecting his behavior. It's affecting his decision making. It's agitating him. Um, he's installed television screens so he can see how he's being covered. When the Stormy Daniels uh, controversy didn't go away, and White House, among White House aides, it seemed like there was a feeling that they thought it would just kind of go away, like some other things in the presidency or even during the campaign. Well, it didn't because uh, Miss Daniels, that's her, her screen name, um, she is she's looking to gain something from this, as is uh, as are the other ladies who have come out. This is not going away. This is going to stay in the news. Um, there are going to be you know, more court fights over these alleged agreements that were signed. Um, and the president is, you know, he's a guy who cares a lot about how he's covered. A very telling thing. The president had a public event and he made no news. There was a telling part of that. He was with college Republicans. And um, the, the young gentleman who was interviewing him on stage asked if he had any advice for, um, for the youngsters, who the college-aged uh, audience. The president did not even blink. He put the microphone to his mouth and he said, Don't run for president. <laughs> all my life I've gotten really, you know, look, we all get every once in a while a knock, but I got the greatest publicity. I was getting such great until I ran for office. 
is a window into how he thinks about all this, how the presidency for him is largely about how he's portrayed on the magic box on the wall and, you know, in print and, and other stories that, that he sees. Um, and that reason, we have to care about this and we have to, to keep an eye on it because it is affecting him. Um, you know, he shook up his legal team. Right. That's the other a thing lot, agitating yeah, a, a, him is. Right. A lot of the a lot of the focus on the shakeup of the legal team have been on the special counsel Russia probe. That same legal team is dealing with these women and, and dealing with all this. And the president is not happy with how all of this has gone. He's not happy if, if Stormy Daniels is on 60 Minutes Sunday night. He he wasn't happy that the, the former uh, Playboy uh, Karen model McDougal, that Karen right? McDougal was on mm. was on CNN Thursday night, and that's his personal legal team. Yeah, he's not happy that they don't want him to sit down with special counsel uh, Bob Mueller, but he's not. He's also not happy that these ladies are telling their stories when he thought he had ironclad agreements that that these ladies signed to keep them quiet. Mm-hmm. And John Dowd, his lawyer working on the Russia investigation, quit this week. And we've also had an uh, had senators come forward and say they are really worried that Trump is going to fire Robert Mueller. Do you know anything about that? The only one who knows if Robert Mueller is going to get fired is Donald Trump. The president just goes with his gut in the moment. Uh, And we saw that this week when um, he announced in a tweet that he was replacing uh, McMaster with John Bolton as national security advisor. By all accounts, very few people in the White House knew that was about to happen. He met with Bolton, and Bolton didn't know he had the job until he saw the tweet. That's right. That is an example of how this presidency has gone, and it looks like we'll go increasingly. It really feels every day. It feels in the White House like this is Trump trying to take back his presidency. He feels he's been overmanaged. All right, John, thank you for being our eyes and ears at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Doing my best. Thank you for joining us. I am Sean Zeller. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One. And please rate us on iTunes.